8 o'clock. Thanks for joining us. Jim along with Cake today. From the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. So it's divisional round football tomorrow. Right here on the team, 2 o'clock, Houston at Baltimore. Your predictions, quarterback with the most pressure, team with the most pressure. You can uh, send it to us on the team line today, 970-242-1340. Got Mike and Scottsdale listening on the mobile app today out in uh, the greater Phoenix metro area. Mike and Scottsdale, when when everyone is healthy and the buffs are at home, they're tough. On the road, shorthanded, not so much. I think that the Niners and Purdy have the most pressure. Purdy needs to prove that he is more than a regular season phenom and playoff fraud. To be fair to Brock Purdy, though, he got hurt. Well, number one, he got hurt, but also number two, he was never supposed to be put in this position in the first place. Mr. Irrelevant. He was, he was Mr. Irrelevant, and he was also back up to the guys that San Francisco traded most of their top draft capital for to get Mr. Um, now Dallas quarter, Dallas Cowboys. Thank you, Trey Lance. I can tell because I've been there before. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm going to remember this eventually. I'm going to get there. <laughs> I'll if I just it. keep saying words, eventually something will spill out. Something will eventually click. Yeah. So, yeah. I, again, it's kind of, it's, it's a phrase I've used a couple times already, but Brock Purdy has kind of been playing with house money the last couple of years because... Well, he's in his second year. He's I mean, in his he, second year. I mean, I, I, I understand where, where Mike Scottsdale is coming from, I, I just think that in the case of Brock Purdy, that all the MVP hype, there's a period of time where he certainly was probably in that conversation. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, things for, for Purdy and the Niners, they hit that little bit of a rough patch. And and then and, and certainly his play was, was, was part of that this season. But uh, finished strong down the stretch. And I, I just think if you're... I just... I just feel like with Brock Purdy right now, he, you spent, used the phrase house money for Houston, which is true. There's also house money for Brock Purdy here. I mean, he is like, you referenced cake. I think very well that he was not expected to be this guy. No, he was not expected to be this good. And, you know, they had the three game losing streak. They lost to the Browns 19 to 17. They, they lost to the Vikings 22, 17 and lost to Cincinnati 31-17. to 17. And that was a stretch where he had the, the two-pick game against Cincinnati in the loss. Against the Vikings, Purdy had two interceptions in that game as well. And then they had the, the clunker, you know, when they went to Cleveland and threw a pick in that game. So, I mean, he had, and his numbers were not stealth through one, for 128 against the Browns. Against the Vikings, Purdy threw for 272, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. So, you know, certainly Brock Purdy, after a really good start when they won their first five games, cooled off quite a bit. But then after that, after the Bengals game, beat the Jags, and they won at Jacksonville. Picked up, let's see, they won six in a row before they lost to the Ravens. They lost that one thirty-three to nineteen, and that was the four interception game for Purdy, where you know, it was pretty bad, pretty bad. 
and then they lost to the Rams, twenty-one to twenty. You know, they, I should I should correct myself. Didn't finish strong. Started strong. Middle part was really strong with a six-game winning streak, and then of their last six, they dropped four of their last six. The Chargers game, though, they lost twenty-three to third to twelve in that game. That's when Sam Darnold. So I mean, Sam Darnold started in that one. That's where they had already nailed down the NFC top seed. So yeah, they they didn't need Brock Purdy to play in that game. And and so that's one. That's when they lost to the Rams. Excuse me, I think I said Chargers lost to the Rams, twenty-one to twenty. And you know the, the Ravens game. Purdy had the four interceptions. We had the two games where he had four picks. I guess if you're thinking about Purdy, because he threw for 31 touchdowns this year, uh, does he have something to prove in terms he's a legit upper-tier quarterback? Okay, I, I, I'll i give you that one. Weren't the 49ers, though, like last in the league in passing attempts this year? And here's the reason why, though. But also he had 4,280 4, yards. It's all the yak. It's all the yards after catch. He didn't have to throw it a ton. Nope. And he was still putting up pretty good numbers because Brendan Ayuk, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, McCaffrey, short route, breaks a couple tackles, lots of yards after catch, and that's where the the, the attempt number is deceiving because the, the yardage goes, wait a minute, how did they get how did he get to four thousand two eighty? Right. Because those guys are explosive playmakers. How much of that is a reflection though of just the way Kyle Shanahan's system has been implemented? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, like it's very West Coast ish. Going back to his dad, Mike, and and I, I just think that when you look at how they approach it, the, the quarterback is definitely more of a point guard. He's a distributor. He's not He's not the guy that's going to go out, and Brock Purdy's not going to throw the ball 50, 55 yards down the field. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to do that. They've got guys that can run those intermediate routes, those routes out of the backfield, and make big, big plays because of their speed. It's a team that is predicated on their ability to get in space and make guys miss. And so it doesn't require Brock Purdy to throw the ball 55 yards down the field on, on vertical routes all the time. They get it done in a different way, and that also, because they have a really good running game with McCaffrey, 1,459 yards this year, 14 touchdowns. They don't have to lean on Brock Purdy throwing the football 25, 30, 35 times a game. I, I will agree, though, with Mike and Scottsdale that with Purdy... You, they're, they're still, is he is he an upper-tier quarterback? No. Because remember, there was a stretch there where there was a lot of talk about him being an MVP contender with the way he's played this season. I don't want to overhype him, but I also don't want to overly criticize him because it's year two, and he's just going to get better. It is and one it, of those things, though, right? We You know, we hear this term, and very often it is... Not derogatory, but it, but it has a negative connotation whenever we say we talk about a system quarterback, right? A guy that is a benefactor of a very good scheme, not so much his own raw talent. Now, he still needs to hit the open receiver. 
He still needs to make good decisions. He still needs to stay in a clean pocket. But Brock Purdy is your classic, quote-unquote, system guy, where, again, he's got, as we've mentioned, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. He's got some of the best and fastest skill position players and one of the best offensive lines in front of him. Yep, absolutely. In a system that works to get guys open in the space and then they make plays with their legs, the yards after the catch, all that. And it's not so much a plug and play, right? It's not that you could just throw anybody in there. But if you were to take Brock Purdy and let's say put him into Sean Payton's system, or, you know, some of these other systems that are not like Kyle Shanahan's West Coast style, I don't know if he would have nearly the same level of success. And if you're going to put Brock Purdy in a position where he's you're forcing him to throw it 30, 40, 50 times a game. I'm loving that. I want that. I mean, as far as a defensive coach, yeah, I'm it, with you. Well, I, yeah. I, I want that. I want... I want Brock Purdy to go out and throw the ball 35 times because that means, number one, I've got the lead. They're desperate. And, and you've stopped the run. And you've stopped the run. And they're forced to, to throw the football. They, they have to come back. And that's not the way Brock Purdy is wired for this offense. And they, they just have, in the case of the Niners, there's all the guys we've referenced. You take away one, one of the other guys is probably going to hurt you. Who do you stop? Who's your number one guy to stop? Is it McCaffrey? Because you got to stop the run. Also got to stop him hurting you out of the backfield in the pass game. Okay. Well, you got Debo Samuel that can do similar things. And you got George Kittle working between the hash marks. Ayuk is a speed guy on the outside. I mean, they it's like, who do you stop? Because they have so much. And that's right now, that's where, in the case of Kansas City, where they in the past, they always had guys. There was somebody outside of Travis Kelsey they can make plays for them. And right now, Rasheed Rice is becoming that guy, but Moore hasn't been that guy. Tony's obviously too many, too, you know, too many drops and they won't even get into the whole offsides thing. Hmm. And a very inconsistent player for them. Isaiah Pacheco on the backfield has been good. I like Isaiah Pacheco, hard running guy. Uh, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire's okay. He's not great. But they don't have the weapons like Mahomes has had in the past. And, and, and guys have, have, have not really delivered for him the way that, that he needs them to. And, and, you know, but, but Mahomes is so good that he can still, even with limited resources around him, get it done. Great ones find a way to get it done. I know people still you hate Brady, but he found a way to get it done with a lot of different guys. Because he only had Randy Moss for a very brief period of time. It was not... It was only, like what, two seasons most? Yeah. Yes, he had some great slot receivers. Wes Welker. Julian Edelman. He had, he had great slot receivers. Danny Amendola. Good tight ends at times. But Rob Gronkowski it, and... I mean, well, in before Rob, you know, Gronkowski's going to be a Hall of Famer. Gronkowski's great. But uh, Hernandez... Was a was a good player, just even though what they not a great character, but not 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 a great character, but but you had Gronk, 
but he didn't have great wide receivers. I guess you have you have Gronk. Running backs were good. You had Corey Dillon for a while, and they've had other guys. They've had good running backs. Lawrence Maroney. That's yeah. a random name I remember. But the but the the great ones find a way to to get it done with maybe at times a part of the skill set around them. The the the, the talent pool around him isn't great. In the case of Brock Purdy, the talent pool is great around him. Speed kills. And the Niners use that to their advantage, no doubt about it. And Brock Purdy doesn't have to do lots of heavy lifting at this point in time. All right, 8-13, it's time to go around the NFL. The latest on the Broncos and the league. It's around the NFL on the Jim Davis Show. So on the team line text in your predictions, team with the most pressure, quarterback with the most pressure, 970-242-1340. Before we get to uh, some of the sound leading up to Divisional Weekend, some uh, Broncos news and notes. This from uh, the website Mile High Huddle. AFC personnel vet Sean Payton never liked Russell Wilson. That um, and and waters wet and the sky is blue. Yeah, footage exactly. at eleven. That uh, the the whole piece is about um, about the dislike that Sean Payton had from the jump. And some of it comes from the now infamous USA Today article that Sean Payton did with Jarrett Bell, where he called out Nathaniel Hackett for, for doing a horrible job, one of the worst jobs he's ever seen as a coach. And uh, some of it comes from that. And that um, the Payton said about Wilson last summer in that, uh, that uh, interview that when Bell pressured, and this is Jarrett Bell who wrote the article, pressured Payton about the notion that he was married to Russell Wilson by virtue of the five-year, $245 million contract extension. Payton acknowledged the reality of the situation while pointing to a newly signed Jarrett Stidham and the options open to a head coach in a year if things don't work out with Russ. I hear you, but realistically, if, it, if in a year I, d- I didn't like it, I'm not married to him. I like this Jarrett Stidham now. We couldn't get him in the draft. I liked him a lot. The kid's sharp, quick with the decisions. Well trained, but I believe this about Russell. He still got gas in the tank. Okay. This doesn't really, I, I don't know if this necessarily reveals any new information about the Sean Payton Russell Wilson relationship. It doesn't. I think it just reminds us that he was not the guy that Sean Payton wanted, but Sean Payton had to accept that Russell Wilson's there because of the contract extension. And who knows? There's certainly been some mixed messages as of late about whether or not Russ would be willing to to stay in Denver uh, or, or, you know, that he, that there's still the door could be open. As everybody said at that season-ending press conference, the door is still kind of open for Russell Wilson to stay in Denver. So My question, though, is, and it has been ever since Russell Wilson got benched, if you're Sean Payton and you you know going into the season that you're basically stuck with Russell Wilson no matter what, but you don't like whatever it is about his play or any of his, you know, the stuff that was surrounding him, which, yeah, okay, we know now was kind of a distraction and Nathaniel Hackett had no control over this team. We know that it's not that it wasn't untrue. But if you're Sean Payton, why take the job in the first place? Why? If you're not going to accept, not, not accept, but if you're, if you're going into it knowing that, ah, geez, I got to work with this Russell Wilson guy. I'm not really sure. He's such a Boy Scout. He's, yeah. 
Why take the job in the first place? Why? I think that they that he felt like they were going to give him enough autonomy. And I think they also told him, ultimately, yes, we have this ex- we have this contract with Russ's extension. If you feel like we need to make a move here, we support you. That's why. I think if it would have been like the case in Arizona when Sean Payton interviewed for that job or they, the brass there said, Kyler, Murray, Kyler Murray's our guy. We're building around him. And that, that's, that's non-negotiable. And according to all reports, Sean Payton said, I don't like that situation. I want to have the flexibility to, to have the guy run my offense that I feel like should run it. I don't know if Kyler Murray's So you went guy. with Jared Stidham. Yeah, and that's and those comments in that USA Today article certainly loving in some Stidham there. But why? What does Jared Stidham give you that Russell Wilson doesn't? I mean, he's a milk toast quarterback. I think the feeling from Sean Payton is that he's more of a rhythm passer. He's more of his kind of quarterback when it comes to staying on on script. I don't think that Sean Payton digs Russell Wilson improvising. All right. Well, I, I just feel like like I've said before about Sean Payton, you can have your system and that's fine. But you have to also, when you have a quarterback that has a skill set like Russell Wilson, you have to find a way to tailor what he does to what you do to what he does and what he does well. You know, and it, and, it, and, and, and Sean Payne's not willing to do that. It's 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 one of those things, right? It's if. Sean Payton likes that Jared Siddham stays on script, quote-unquote, meaning he doesn't stray away from what Sean Payton wants to do, doesn't like it when guys improvise. It's like when a director of a movie says, no, you stay on script. Yeah, but this script sucks, Michael Bay. You know? How about... How dare you criticize one of our generation's finest directors? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> How dare you, sir? Sorry, I didn't. Scorsese, I didn't. Spielberg, I didn't realize Transformers Five was was such a cultural nexus. Shame that was not nominated for an Academy Award. Oh, whatever. But here's something to keep an eye on, though. The Saints have parted ways with offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael, longtime Sean Payton buddy. Don't be surprised, Joe Lombardi. Bye-bye. Thanks, Joe. Pete Carmichael, who was given a lot of credit for the work with Drew Brees. While, while Peyton is the one that garners a lot of that adulation and, and praise, according to a lot of reports, Carmichael is a guy that really did a lot of the tweaks and did a lot of the things offensively to the offense in New Orleans during uh, some of their best years. All right. So um, we go to divisional weekend. Starts tomorrow. Houston at the Baltimore Ravens tomorrow and um, got some sound from uh, some of the a little bit of a preview start out with that that matchup Houston at Baltimore with the Ravens defensive back Kyle Hamilton facing the very talented rookie quarterback and the Texans, C.J. Stroud. Got a lot of accolades, got a lot of press for good reason. You know, he's been doing a great job this year. It's a rookie year, but not playing like he's playing. Like, he's one of the best quarterbacks in our league, and um, it's not by accident that they're in the position. You know, they got a good team. 
over there in all facets of the game, and it's gonna be a challenge. You know, we're coming in here, we got a, we had a little break, but we got locked back in and, and get a win. And of course, referring to the fact the Ravens had the bye week being the number one seed in the AFC, that'll be followed by the game here on the team. It'll start two o'clock tomorrow, by the way, Houston to Baltimore. Uh, around six o'clock ish tomorrow night, it'll be the the top seed in the NFC, San Francisco, taking on the Green Bay Packers. Packers head coach Matt Lafleur talking about that really talented Niner defense. Their team speed's real. That's why you got to do a great job at the point of attack. Um, coming off the ball is going to be imperative, and that's what they that's what they thrive on is their ability to to cause disruption with their D line's ability to get off on the on the snap count. All right, so uh, that will be your your second game with a double header tomorrow. Once again, starting around six fifteen with the Packers and the Niners, and then. Sunday, pregame at 1230, uh, kickoff at 1 o'clock, Tampa Bay at the Detroit Lions. And uh, Bucks wide receiver Chris Godwin talking about uh, finishing versus the Lions coming up on Sunday. It's going to be something that's very important for us, you know, in, in this game. You know, we got to go out there with the finish mentality, and that's, you know, finishing plays, finishing drives, and then ultimately trying to finish the game. I mean, you really just got to be in a moment, right? Like, you can't get too far ahead of yourself. If you take care of the work throughout the week, then... You know, that kind of like will handle the game for itself, right? Uh, if you're looking too far down the road, like you said, you're going to peak too soon, and you definitely don't need that. Like, if the energy in the stadium is going to be enough for you that, you know, just wait till you get there, handle your business now, and then handle everything when you get there. And, yes, they are playing indoors, by the way, to that reporter that that's <laughs> Todd Bowles. So how do you prepare in your team for the weather in Detroit? It's going to be very cold there. Well, oh, we're... You realize Ford Field's good in, news. It's a dome stadium. You realize that, right? That was maybe maybe they were concerned about the travel. No, no, that's not where she was going. <laughs> she was like, "How how do you prepare your team for the weather? What they have to prepare to to walk from the plane on the tarmac to get on the bus to hey, go listen, to the hotel with with all we saw recently with all the travel woes of the altitude crew recently, you know." Not the least of which is Mark Mosher yeah. forgetting his passport. You know, you, you never know. It it uh, plays into the mentality. Are you trying to defend this this reporter that asked such a let's be honest dumb question? Like you and I have never have, asked dumb questions in an interview. We before. all have, but but that's a case where that's just you not. You can get max prepped as I talked about. Oh, or the time yeah. I'm talking to Taylor Wagner all the and, time. And it, uh, New Mexicans flash back to their 2021 stats. Because that was what it was on their website. That was on their website. That stuff happens. That's just you not being prepared. That's just you not knowing as much as you should. You don't, you follow the NFL and you don't know Ford Field's an indoor stadium? Come on. What I wonder is. I, you're, you're being far too nice and too charitable. I thought Todd Bowles was extremely accommodating and extremely nice. He's like, oh, you, you realize that's that's indoors, right? You realize that? I I have to wonder if because we all have kind of like our generic pre, sort of like prepared questions, right? That we true every week. We you know it's the who do you got this week? What's the message in practice this week? You know, we we all have our sort of our crutches. I wonder if that was just sort of could be her crutch. Could be her crutch. I I just think she just wasn't very prepared and 
doesn't doesn't maybe know that much about the NFL. I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe she was just filling in for somebody. Who knows? Maybe maybe she was maybe she was a, a a TV. Maybe she was a news reporter. Hey, or shorthanded, go out to the uh, go out to the go to the presser. Go to the Bucks presser and ask a question or two. Get some get some get some tape for us. She's like, okay, great. And she knows Detroit's cold. It's a cold place. It's January. Yeah. All right. And then finally, on the team on Sunday, it'll be uh, Kansas City going to Buffalo in the Plaza for the first time since 1993 when the uh, Bills host Kansas City on Sunday. Bills offensive coordinator Joe Brady on facing Steve Spagnolo's very talented Chiefs defense. He's been at the top for a while, right? And he does he does such a great job of uh, combining scheme with his with the skill set that he has, right? He doesn't just run these plays just because this is the defense I've been running for years. You know, he does such a good job of putting his players in position to have success, and that's you know that's what we all strive to do as coaches, right? You know, and um, and depending on each year, you know, you know acquisitions that they get or with injuries or whatnot, he finds ways to put those guys you know in the best position. And whether that's coverage, whether that's pressure, whether that's moving people around. Um, and it, it puts uh, it presents problems for uh, for opposing offenses. All right, so about four thirty our time on Sunday for the Chiefs at uh, Buffalo. All your divisional action this weekend on the Team Sports Network. All right, eight twenty five. Uh, Jackson Wilson, River City Sportplex, will join us in a couple of minutes. It's time right now for Where in the World is Tyler Franzen? Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Where the hell is he? Well, I can't find him. He's not hide forever. I will find you. Chance to win beer today from our good friends over at High Country Beverage. New Belgian fat tire on the gra- on the line up for grabs today. Uh, a couple things. If you're not over the age of 21 or if you have already won a prize here on the team within the last two weeks, please sit it out. But, you know, if you haven't won in a little while, you think you might uh, know where I am for where in the world is Tyler Franson and you're over the age of 21. And if you want the prize... Texting your answers to the team line, 970-242-1340. The local newspaper published an article this week saying this college basketball arena is being considered for renovation. Athletic director Mark Coyle is quoted saying it's the next logical thing, considering the building is 96 years old. It also doesn't help that fans call it the barn. Yeah, it might be time for an upgrade. Where in the world is Tyler Franson? All right, so a couple things to keep in mind. Must be 21 or older. If you've won the last two weeks, you need to sit it out. And you're also qualified for the never-ending contest. It's uh, passes for you and four to Crossroads Fitness Center to get yourself uh, into a, being a healthier you in 2024. So you automatically qualify for that as well. But it's a case of fat tire from New Belgium. Beer, high country beverage. Get your answer in right now on the team line. First correct answer wins at 970 972- Two four two thirteen forty. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Craptastic. Not just crap. Uh, yeah. The team presents the Jim Davis Show on Colorado Sports Leader, the Team. Welcome back. Eight thirty one. Jim along with Keg today. Jackson Wilson, River City Sportplex, with us. Jackson, how you doing? I'm good. How are we doing? Uh doing fine. Doing well. Uh, so uh, we'll start out with River City Sportplex, Riverhawks. What's what's up with uh, the Riverhawks right now? I uh, just got back from a 
big MLK Salt Lake tournament this past weekend. Our uh, 12U, one of our 12U teams were able to win the tournament. Congratulations. Uh, Yeah, so that was very, very cool for them. Our, uh, our, basically our middle school team, our eighth and ninth graders, kind of like our freshman team, our 14UA team, they uh, lost in their championship two to one. So they got runner up, which, you know, they were obviously sad about, but still super proud of those kids. They've come a really far away this year. So successful tournament couple teams and championship games with you know bringing home the golden one and then uh just keep going with league for the river hawks uh this weekend i'll be up in steamboat with a uh, 10 new teams so yeah super fun good stuff and developing that talent cultivating that uh, th- those kids for of course the caprock academy eagles the, the high school team in its uh, first year as a as a jv program and uh, we had Dan Salazar on from from Cap Rock talking talking about the hockey program, but also about his girls' basketball team and and the other uh, sports at, at Cap Rock Academy. But uh, get an update for us on on the Eagles and how they're doing. Yeah, they're doing well. Um, they're down in Fort Collins this weekend. Uh, yesterday, uh, you know, I, I was trying to get I was getting text updates uh, as I was working and practicing with the younger kids yesterday. But um, they uh, I think they were either leading or tied, and they let uh, Fort Collins score with about 13 seconds left. Oh. And, uh, and so they either tied or lost by one. They play them again today. Um, they've been battling them all year. Those were their first games at home um, back in uh, November. So that, uh, that'll be another good game today. Um, you know, hopefully they can close it out. You know, they're still, that group's still kind of learning how to close games out and, you know, not let the moment be too big and just do the simple things right to be able to put yourself in, in those winning moments. So, uh, you know, it's a good growth for them. Um, you know, and, and they still got a bunch of wins. I think they're still sitting in about a uh, first place or so in that JV division. So, so it bodes well for next year. I know when we had Dan on, uh, wasn't willing to say, hey, we're going to be varsity next year. Uh, that's still kind of an evaluation process, you know, from, from what you're seeing and what you're hearing. What does that look like in terms of, is this team going to be able to make that step up to varsity next year? Or is it going to be, yeah, let's, let's get another another year of, of development and that kind of thing? I have no idea. I think I think we're right on the on the bubble. Let's, we're we're going to have to kind of see how it wraps up here at the end of the season. Um, you know, I got about eight or nine of these freshmen and eighth grade kids that will be bumping up into the Caprock hockey system next year. And, and I got some good players. Um, and they're going to keep a bunch of good players as well as they'll have two uh, good goaltenders next year. So I really don't know. They're either going to be an unbelievable JV team and they're, it, it, or they're going to be able to go to varsity and, uh, and be able to compete at that level. So we're not quite sure. Um, my understanding is I, I believe we might be able to even potentially field two teams next year due to numbers as well. Um, so if we have a JV team, then we'll be able to have an 18U rec team under our uh, youth hockey organization. But if we can go ahead and go to varsity, we'll be looking at fielding a JV team um, underneath there. So, yeah, it's 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 all growing well. It's going it's going good. And, uh, yeah, we'll see how the cards kind of play out. But uh, they're putting themselves in a really good position to even have this conversation where, hey, it's one year, you know, one and done. Right. And then, and then we can have this potential for a varsity uh, team. So, well, yeah, it sounds like the, the growth has been incredible first year, and it's it's nice to be in that position of, yeah, we're we're right there. We could do this, or maybe just one more year, and and then go to varsity after after two years of JV. We're talking with uh, Jackson Wilson, River City Sportplex. Anything uh, with River City you want to uh, plug today? 
We um yeah, we just started up our learn to skate and our learn to play. We got twenty five uh, little kids in the learn to play with a uh, six and under group. Um, and then we have an eight and under group associated in there as well, boys and girls. Um, still looking to grow our girls hockey program. Um, you know, we're looking to schedule some try hockey for freeze as well, but no, everything's going well down there. Our adult hockey league has started back up after the holidays. So guys are, and uh, women are having fun with that. The curling league, uh, is sold out right now, but there's a lot of room for our learn to curl programs as well. So yeah, it's, you know, everything's going good. We're still booking, you know, birthday parties. People can rent the ice out to curl or play hockey if they want, you know, for corporate events, whatever. Um, and we're looking to uh, do some remodeling in the lobby area um, and part of the rink starting in February or March as well uh, to kind of open up the lobby a little bit more, add in a, uh, a little small uh, bar and grill in there. And then um, obviously as we keep going and progressing through some of the construction, we'll look to uh, hit our other phases that we have planned out. So, yeah, we're super excited with everything down there. And, uh, yeah, if anyone's interested, too, about any of the hockey stuff or advertising or anything like that, we're available uh, down there at River City Sportplex. RiverCitySportplex.com. You can go to the website as well and uh, get details on many of the things that Jackson was talking about. Um, let's talk some avalanche in Boston last night. Of course, uh, not that long ago, but a week or so ago, they had the, the incredible shootout win against the Bruins over at Ball Arena. This time they were in Boston. Bad first period, bad third period, with, with a really good second period, but with the Avs lose a Boston 5-2 to two last night. And uh, just one of those things where Jared Bednar talked about, just didn't feel like they were getting to pucks. Felt like they were checking more with their eyes than they were with their, their legs and then and talked about that, that he felt like they lost a lot of races to pucks last night. And so that ultimately with David Pasternak with a, with a big game last night, uh, had the hat trick for Boston uh, leading to an avalanche five to two loss. Yeah. I was, I was just looking it up as we were talking to, yeah, they only got four shots in the third. I mean, yeah. it's, they just Man, got shot a, him 18 to eight in the second. Yep. 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 They just got, uh, they just got out skated. I mean, it's it's tough, and I'm looking Ross Colton, you know, minus three, Drew N minus two, Ranton in minus two, like, you know, and that's and that's just the tough part about hockey, right? Is, you know, you, when you go out there, you got to be able to play systematic defense and still be able to go for those pucks and find support as you know the second player comes, you know, over to help that first guy out if it's a 50-50 puck or whatever. And if you're not doing that, especially the NHL, especially against a team like Boston who just. Uh, a season or two ago said the most wins, you know, and, and I know they lost Bergeron and a couple other guys, but they're still a very good hockey team um, with two very good goaltenders. And if you, you know, kind of half butt it going in and you're not trying to get to these pucks, you're going to get beat. So, you know, um, it's a learning lesson. I know these East coast road trips can be hard for West coast teams and stuff like that, but I mean, it, it doesn't get easier. I think they play Philly tomorrow night and, um, you know, Philly hasn't been an easy out for many teams this year as well. So um, it'll be really interesting to see. But yeah, they just they got they got to find that spark. I mean, it's hard to go 82 straight games just having you know extremely high talent and effort level of games. But you can't you can't just kind of go where you're content with losing these races and battles. And it doesn't help when you lose a player that's been as red hot as Valerie Nachushkin. Yeah. And um, we, we talked about it that uh, Nachushkin is away from the team. He's in the uh, player assistance program, the NHLPA and the NHL. Uh, Sammy Gerard was in it earlier uh, to, to deal with depression and also alcohol abuse issues. And for Nachushkin, who 
the situation in Seattle last year with the incident with the woman at the hotel room, which we've never really got any clarity on on what transpired there. No charges were ever filed or anything like that. But, uh, of course, seemed to, to really feed off of the birth of his baby girl and has been one of the hottest goal scorers, not just for the Avalanche, because he at one point had tied Nathan McKinnon, but uh, was one of the hottest goal scorers in the league. Big body, getting in front of the net, was able to, to do a lot of damage there. Now, uh, away from the Avalanche indefinitely, at a, at a difficult time, obviously, number one, you, you worry about him as a human being and about what he's going through, Jackson. But on the ice, I mean, this is a big loss for Colorado. Yeah, that's it's a it's a tough time. Like you know, I they've just lost guys to non injury related issues this season, um, and it, and it's really hurt them. Try to find you know a team chemistry, a team flow. I mean, right now, you know, they, they're down to third in the conference behind Winnipeg and Vancouver now. They're kind of, they're sliding just a touch. Yeah. And, and, you know, and Big Val definitely was a piece that was helping hold them afloat um, more than drag them deeper into the water. So now that he's out, um, it's definitely a void that needs to be filled. But I, I just don't know how they work the cap space or what they do to potentially bring in another guy to, to help fill that void. And, and, you know, and I hope like you're saying, you know, Val's able to get the help he needs and, you know, he can sustain his happiness as a human and then apply that back to his craft, which is hockey. But in the meantime, you know, we got, they got games and, and they need to be able to find some help for Nathan McKinnon and Rantanen when they're not able to go out and, and put four in themselves. So, it's tough, you know. At least the good news, though, uh, that the other day Gabe Landeskog was skating a little bit. Yesterday at the morning skate, Arturi Lekin and Bowen Byram were both on the ice. Obviously, in the case of Landeskog, it's not going to be until the playoffs maybe for, for Landy to make his return. But the other two could play at Philadelphia tomorrow. Jared Bednar says that's a, a possibility. Those two could be on the ice, and that would certainly uh, be a be a huge lift for the Avalanche, Jack, so they get those two guys back. Yeah, I think I think Lekkinen, you know, is going to help a lot. But just unfortunately, Lekkinen doesn't get the production that Big Val does. And, no. And that's what they're going to miss, I think, is that, is that kind of production from a, a second-line guy, a potential first-line power play guy. But Lekkinen will be good. He'll help structure that third line, you know, to kind of help them get better defensively. Um and and he'll be able to clean that up. Like that's what he's very good at. He'll be able to pot a goal or two now and then, you know. But it'll be tough asking him to to get a goal a game or a point a game kind of deal. Um, to not not necessarily replace Big Val, but but to help with that secondary production. So it'll be interesting. I mean, it's they've been kind of piecing together different lineups all year almost. Um, and so you know you got you got to see what you're going to get, and and hopefully you can get guys healthy, rested, and mentally you know, uh, excited about playoffs coming up here in a few months. So, Absolutely. Hey, Jackson, always great to see you. Happy New Year, by the way. Hey, thank you. You too. Yeah. 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 Any uh, resolutions? No. Nah. <laughs> they always, when I do, they, they always, I always blow up. Yeah. It's like, okay, it's like losing weight, working out. To me, that's something you should just, do you really have to, oh, I'm going to start the first of the year because that never works out. You just need to say, today I'm going to start getting off my butt and eating better or whatever. And, um, you know, for me, it's, uh, it's a roller coaster. Yeah. It's like yeah, uh, happy yeah. Gilmore. And it's the, it's the carousel goes round and round and you put your quarter in and it goes round and around. And 
Sometimes you stay on the carousel. Sometimes you fall off the carousel. You know, I thought, speaking of Happy Gilmore, I thought I'd seen that whole movie multiple times until I watched it the other day and uh, realized that he was the one that put the nail in, the, in his boss's head. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I just thought the guy had a nail in his head, I guess, for the longest time. I thought I watched the it's whole movie It's one of those things that you, yeah, exactly, you got to watch you watch it a third or fourth time, and you go, oh, I, I didn't catch that that last time. I was fascinated time. with how disappointed I was in myself. It's okay, man. I know. Happens to the best of us. It's like I could I could recite most lines from I won't I do it on this I didn't realize program, Bruce Willis was dead. So, uh, and, no, kidding. I guess I did. Sixth Sense, but <laughs> be pretty bad about it. He's not. Wait, wait a minute. He's, he's dead? No. Sixth Sense. <laughs> Sixth Sense. All right. I heard, I heard. You're I heard, forgiven. It's okay. I heard, Mike, I heard uh, Cake loves Michael Bay, though, earlier. Oh, he's a huge Dude. Michael Bay fan. Loves him. Thinks he's the best director of our generation. Just explosions and green screens, huh? This this uh, gaslighting here is going, is great. I love it. I love, I love when my words get totally and absolutely completely twisted. Cake, I get it. That Transformers movie just changed life-changing culture for the. I do have to admit, I watched two movies lately. They are the longest freaking movies I've ever seen. One was one was really bizarre. Okay. One, one was great. Uh, watched Ari Aster's Bo is Afraid with Joaquin Phoenix. He's guy did Hereditary. Okay. Ari Aster did Midsummer. I don't know. I just I like his dark, weird take on things. It's a it's like almost a four hour movie. Oh god! It's just absolutely bizarre. I didn't. I did have to watch it in chunks. I couldn't watch the whole thing just start to finish. Uh, we we watched most of Killers of the Flower Moon. Well, the guy that's a legitimately re- really great director in Martin Scorsese. And it was absolutely fantastic movie. Hmm. Is that another kind of long one, though? It's pushing that three hour, three and a half. Yeah. Yeah. One was really good. One was just very very bizarre i know jim my my 27 year old attention span now it is i know it's kind of not a 10 second video i don't know if i can <laughs> sit not, down and TikTok. watch it it's on tiktok so i don't know it's, it's you mean i have to watch this for 60 seconds with leonardo <sighs> dicaprio <Come> yeah <laughs> robert de niro i'll have to take i'll have to take a look i'll take yeah, your word that's it's a great movie but it's long it's a long film all right jackson appreciate it man oh yeah absolutely guys all right uh, we'll take a break We'll come back with more. Actually, going to bring you some of our conversation we had with uh, Grand Junction Athletic Director uh, Steve Wojtek about the uh, strength and conditioning clinic, the free one tomorrow over Grand Junction High School. That's coming up next. They need a wake-up call. Call or text the Jim Davis Show on the Chick-fil-A team line. 970-242-1340. Grand Junction Tiger Sports on the Jim Davis Show. And Grand Junction Athletic Director... Steve Wojtek brought to you by the Rick Nelson Agency and American Family Insurance. For a free comparison, call this team of licensed professionals at 970-241-0078. Steve Wojtek joins us. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Good, Jim. Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it. Always great to talk with you. First off, did your boys win last night because I couldn't find a score? Did the, the we did. We, uh, we won by two. It, it's a tough uh, gym to play at over there at Eagle Valley, and uh, uh, they did a good job competing, and Coach Johnson did a a great job with uh, some late game adjustments and the boys uh, played hard and uh, came out with a good victory. Hey, you have to love what you're seeing from your, uh, your tiger boys with the uh, Dutch back at the helm. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, you know, the, the style that he brought and uh, obviously with his first stint, 
Uh, we kind of knew what we were getting anyways, but with uh, the experience he had over at CMU, and, and so just excited with what he's doing with uh, the boys. Absolutely. So, uh, Steve, we're, you're on with us this morning to talk about the strength and conditioning for a high school student-athletes clinic that's coming up at uh, over Grand Junction High School at the Auditorium this Saturday at 5 o'clock. It's how to train better. It's how to prepare better. Got uh, Coach Mark Ryan, who's the head strength and conditioning coach at Calvert Mesa. Dr. Uh, Kristen uh, Human, who's the uh, professor of uh, kinesiology over at CMU as well. They'll be both there speaking to to parents and, and young student athletes about the right way to go about how to be bigger, stronger, faster, and healthier as a high school student athlete. Yeah, Jim. Well, you know, two years ago when I well, a year and a half when I took this job, and one of the things I tell parents is is I'm still a parent myself and and a father and. Uh, you know, each morning when I wake up, I, I think to myself, okay, what, what would it be making decisions as a parent? What is information that, that parents would like to have to help, uh, you know, their, their son or daughter? And so that's where last year, you know, we started the Community Connection Series with Coach McKinney and, and Recruiting 101. And so this year, uh, you know, the next stage is, is just better information for our parents and our student-athletes, uh, you know, as far as training better and uh, as you know, it's kind of a trickle-down effect from professional to college to, to high school, and some of this information is becoming, uh, you know, more and more valuable for, for high school student-athletes. And the the more information we can get in front of parents to help their kids with this, uh, the better. And and although, you know, we were competitive in the Valley and on the Western Slope with each other, this type of information we want to, you know, share with everyone. So that's why it's open and available to uh, anyone that would like to, to join. So it's uh, 5 o'clock this Saturday, Grand Junction High School. So if you're listening to Montrose today, Delta, or uh, up at Hotchkiss or Cedar Edge, that uh, anybody here on the Western Slope, uh, you can come. Free to attend this, uh, this seminar, correct? Absolutely. I mean, last year we had some families from Montrose, a couple from uh, Rifle uh, that came in, which was really cool. And, and uh, that, that's the goal and the hope is uh, even though, like I said, we're competitive on the quarter of the field, uh, we're still a Western Slope community, and uh, you know these two individuals, Dr. Human and Coach Ryan, are at the top of their profession. Uh, and to be doing something like this uh, for free is, I mean, ordinarily be thousands of dollars to bring these two individuals in for something like this. So we're we're really excited. Steve Wojtek, Grand Junction High School Athletic Director, with us. It's the Strength and Conditioning for High School Student Athlete Clinic this Saturday, January twentieth, five o'clock at Grand Junction High School. It's free to attend. You mentioned, Steve, not only being an athletic director and, and overseeing you know, varsity sports and JV sports and everything at, at Grand Junction High School, but you referenced you being a parent and, and your, your son's playing high school athletics. From, from a conditioning standpoint, as a parent, what are some tips? And, and also the time you spent at Mesa as a baseball coach as well. What are some tips you can give people you personally you feel like are, are, are kind of beneficial in regard to addressing conditioning for, for high school athletes? Oh, absolutely. You know, one thing that we, uh, we, our, our young men and, and women at the high school level have so many things on their plate, but we tend to forget how important sleep is. And, uh, you know, in, in talking to, to Dr. Human and Coach Ryan this week, kind of setting it up, that was one aspect that they both emphasize, and they're going to emphasize is, is the, the sleep cycle for our, our student athletes. Um, in addition to, pre- and post-game nutrition. Uh, you know, a lot of that stuff is becoming very uh, more knowledgeable as far as what uh, what we put in our bodies and how that can help uh, peak performance. Uh, and, and also uh, supplements. 
as far as that goes. I know that's big out there, but uh, we got to be cautious as a parent as far as what we're uh, guiding our kids to, to put in their bodies. So big thing uh, that has really come to, to light is the sleep cycle and just, uh, you know, the small little things we can help as a parent with their, their diet. All right, that's uh, Steve Wojtek, Grand Junction High School Athletic Director and uh, that strength and conditioning clinic uh, for parents, and it's it's free to the public. Five o'clock tomorrow, Grand Junction High School Auditorium. So if you're listening in Montrose or, or Delta or anywhere here in the Valley, uh, it's free to attend. You don't have to, to call ahead or, or, or anything like that, and it's at five o'clock over Grand Junction High School tomorrow night. It's part of their uh, continuing series of trying to Better, better educate parents of student athletes on things like recruiting and also on uh, strength and conditioning as well. All right, uh, coming up, hour three, the uh, Wildcat Hall of Fame is February 2nd, and the 1982 Fruita Monument Girls State Championship basketball team will go in as the, the as a team this year into the Hall of Fame. We'll talk with uh, their head coach, Dallas Meyer, coming up in just a few minutes right here on the Team Sports Network.